This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm a guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of gordon how's it going excellent i'm really looking forward to this morning's discussion, we're moving into the space that I'm more comfortable with. We're talking media stuff now, uh, Doc, yeah. which is, uh, always makes me happy. So well done for uh, recruiting our guest this morning. But I'm going to yeah. leave that to you for the intros. Thanks, uh, thanks, Gordon. Yeah. Today we've got uh, Wesley Hilliard, a digital consultant. And Wes is going to chat to us, Gordon, about a whole lot of stuff. I mean, very interesting stuff um, around marketing digital and that whole merger of of that so Wes, thanks for your time thanks for for being with us hi doug hi gordon good to be here yeah cool and 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 may i just say as well that you know uh, we do take other schools. This is turning into the Jeppy show because I understand Wes is a Jeppy boy. We've had Ernest and Corsi, so uh, we won't discriminate against the Cares boys out there. If you've got any Cares guys, we'll take those as well. <laughs> well, I mean, just you know, a few weeks back we had Stilly on. Remember, he was at the same school I was in Port Elizabeth. He so did indeed. There's there you uh, go. some proof good, of the some pudding. Good, some good high schools out there. Yeah. Wes, uh, just straight into it. Uh, let's just chat. I mean, you know, the buzzword, and I guess. It's, it's still crazy for me that we're still talking digital marketing when you know everything in the world is is digital you know I sometimes sometimes when i get frustrated when i can't work on my remote I still wish we were in an analog world and things were separate but you know wishing's only going to get you so far whereas let's just talk about uh, the big takeouts the difference between say digital marketing and traditional and and why you think the one is is different or, or maybe better or, or, uh, than the other one I, th- I think that's a very good point doug uh people often say x is digital and y isn't digital and and it's, it, they'll have a digital marketing team and that can deal with digital and everything else deals with non-digital. But the problem is it's everything is omni-channel really. It used to be this golden word that, that everyone used, this magical, mythical word, but now everything is. I mean, a retailer, for example, should realize that a customer came in store 
they should they should realize whether it's it's the, them connecting to their Wi-Fi network or geolocation or, or a certain digital touch point that that customer didn't buy the product. Why didn't they buy it? How did they retarget that customer on say social media and bring them back into store? It's so what is digital and what isn't? It's the the, the lines are blurred and it's 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 all one thing. So it's often often people don't understand that and they think let, let's just build a silo and put this digital silo in the corner we'll give it budget and we'll think that work that will work it's not the case at all yeah the, the problem is and you're absolutely right that the silos are have, are things that are being put in place uh, by the industry rather than by consumers so you know we've got digital agencies and creative agencies and media agencies all separately trying to target one third of, of, of a holistic consumer out there and it's it's insane the business model is hopelessly broken in terms of trying to keep up with uh, the reality of 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 digital and i think you know gordon i mean just you know going back uh in many status meetings i'd sat in and and, and i'd get frustrated because digital and, and i think i've mentioned this in the previous podcast would often be the third or the fourth separate line item on the agenda, you know what I mean? Starting off with your big above the line creative uh, and, and then going down. And by that stage, a lot of people have lost interest in the room. And, and I can't remember the number of times I started shouting at people saying, can you do me a favor and stick digital first so we can actually, and stop with this bullshit digital led stuff that you tell me, but you actually don't even, you don't even get your agenda set up correctly. And I think that's the issue. Whereas, and I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, you and I and chatting offline would, would share some of those comments around the fact that sometimes people say one thing yet revert back to a, a, a time of, of comfort uh, in a time past that, that really isn't the time for now. Yeah, very much so. And I mean, you can, even, you can even look at in the States how some companies are doing it. I've had chats with T-Mobile on how they, for example, they're the third biggest telco in America. The big two dominate the Super Bowl weekend. So every, all the media goes to Verizon and AT&T. So t, t uh, um, uh, T-Mobile said, how do, we, how do we challenge that? So what they actually did, they built a war room and, and all they did, they would analyze the trends and where the talk is going on social and then bring it back to every other channel in real time on Super Bowl weekend. So that their CEO would get involved and he would talk about views and, 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 and I mean, obviously, you know, it's quite competitive that he would literally mock the campaigns of the, of the big challengers. And it, it, it became a tradition that people started listening and following T-Mobile just to see what they would say on, on, T, on Super Bowl weekend about about the football and it's here it is it's a very traditional telco but it's this loved but bright pink brand so so working in South Sea we, uh, we would do a lot of stuff where we would um, we, we would say how do we we, we use the, the, this this orange brand and how do we make it a love brand similar to T-Mobile and stuff like Miss SA and so forth we, it, it aligned really nicely and influencer marketing was was a key we were we, we would say, how do we get people to, to bring anything orange? Like, for example, we, we had a, a, a well-known photographer, and he ran through Joburg CBD with flares. And the orange flares through Joburg CBD, and we posted that across social media. It had nothing to do with Salsi as a brand. It was just that association of, of orange flares with a, a very famous photographer in Joburg CBD. But suddenly, this on digital almost led, led to the real world, where people think Salsi is quite a cool brand, actually. It's, it's, and it's just, there's stuff like that. And we... we all comes from that T-Mobile thinking where they merge the worlds and use digital as, as their, their tool to combat guys with far bigger budgets. Yeah, you have to guard against other, you know, or you need to differentiate between digital as a platform uh, for delivery versus a conceptual idea. So on, yeah. on the issue of color, um, 20 years ago working on MTN, uh, we wanted to own 
the color yellow, which was the brand color, and we did all that sort of thing. We painted the walkways at airports. All the airports around the country were painted yellow in the in the reception areas. We even um, changed the lights, uh, highlighting Santon City, which was the focal point in those days. And uh, you know, we, we made those those lights yellow. So w- that kind of concept has always been around. But obviously, you can just amplify the thing a hell of a lot more now. Yeah. And I think, you know, a lot of the, I mean, whereas what you're talking about is, and again, Gordon, you know, we've spoken uh, a challenger brand thinking around that of staying hungry, you know, looking for those those small wins and amplifying those small wins. Now, talking sport from, you know, uh, Super Bowl uh, Sunday all the way through, and I mean, you're not big fans of, and, and as Gordon is, many other people. Uh, we had Robbie Hunter here a few weeks ago talking cycling at the, at the heart of the Tour de France. I know you know Robbie and, and uh, you were at school with Daryl Impey and so on. Let's just talk not about cycling, but about the technology NTTs brought into cycling. And then also F1, you know, uh, let's talk about how they, through Liberty Group, when they acquired F1, they had a whole change of mindset in bringing the fan closer to the driver and, and the sport as, as a whole. So, yeah, so that's a massive threat for, uh, for a lot of sports. I think probably cricket and particularly long form cricket is massively at risk at, of actually losing losing their base, losing that engagement. Um, you would see, I mean, that... Um, in America, a good example would be NASCAR, for example. So what cycling and what Formula One have done really well is they've, they've said, how do we use this data and digital, if you want to call it that, if you want to put it in a box, to, to make it relevant, particularly to a younger audience. So NTT and cycling now, they've literally got trackers. So they've got trackers on every single bicycle has, a, has, a, has a, an NFT tracker under the saddle that connects to a motorbike, which connects to a car, which connects to a helicopter and a plane. And by some kind of magic that um, this data comes back to a data center controlled by NTT, and and they can they can build predictions about who's going to win what race, whose percentage is going up, whose is going down. And one big thing about cycling, there's always a lot of guesswork. You would go, well, so and so is up up the mountain, and more or less it's thirty seconds, but then it shoots to two minutes, and you don't really know where it is. Now, in real terms, a good example is the, the recent uh, Tour de France uh, penultimate stage. Um, where in real time Roglic and Pogatar, you you could see exactly what the split was between them, and it actually, I, I was watching it with non cycling fans, and they could understand it. It was broken down thanks to the power of data. It was broken down into terms that a non cycling fan could go, yes, green means person A is ahead, and red means they're they're down, and it, and it was almost like an interactive gamification. Mm-hmm. Similar in Formula One, when Liberty took over, they brought an AWS so by Amazon. And they've brought in also data and there's this incredible analysis now where you can work out the percentage of who's doing what and percentage chance of this guy going two stops and this guy and they've gamified. It's all the gamification now. So both NTT and AWS via the use of data and analytics have brought this gamification to two sports which were very much under threat of becoming irrelevant in a new um, in a new world where, where as, soon as, it, as soon as the sport gets dull, the, the new age of consumer switches to their second screen, which is their cell phone. Yeah. And now when they switch to their second screen, which is a cell phone, they're actually looking at the Tour de France or the Formula One app. Yeah, yeah I must say, you know, I, I, I enjoy Tour de France, but I'm not an informed viewer. But that scenario you were talking about on the final kind of rollout there uh, was extraordinary because for, I could now understand what was going on. It was incredibly exciting. And to Robbie's credit, he, he called it. He said, he right, it's it. like a week before. He said, you've got to keep an eye on the young riders. They're going to do it. And it man, too. he did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just coming back to the business side of it, <clears throat> you, you made a, an interesting separation of two terms. You, you used data 
and digital separately. And I, and I wonder to what degree we in marketing are mixing up the two, where we confuse you know, a constant stream of data, um, which is just information, as if it's some sort of digital offering. Um, so for, for example, the, the POE model, you know, paid, owned, earned, for me, I find it remarkable that it's still in place because it's obsolete. Paid, you, you know, we kind of reference as traditional media, owned is, is kind of internet, and then the earned was social media. But now we know around the world, and in, in South Africa, the figure is 25%, around the world 50%. It, we should actually be calling it the poop model, P-O-E-P, because the biggest paid-for component is now social media. So data versus digital, how do we separate these two in our heads as marketers? So, so, I mean, firstly, I would say data as a term, data in itself is like oil. If you strike oil in the middle of an ocean, but you've got no way to refine that oil and bring it back to, 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 to land, it's, it's actually useless. It's often I've worked with companies and they've got, I mean, there's many industries you, you could think of that have infinite amounts of data, but they don't know how to use that first party data. So it's taking that data, analyzing it into almost refined oil, if you want to call it that, and, and, and analyzing it into, into, something tangible of what do you want to achieve with this data um why has this guy stopped coming into Woolworths let's let's re let's retarget him he, he used to walk into a physical Woolworths store three times a week and he hasn't been back for two months let's use data to figure figure out one uh, data to figure out why he's not in store and two let's use social media to target him to bring him back in store so digital is I mean it's a term I don't really like to use because I think digital is everything. I mean, a, a traditional retailer is digital. If it's not digital, they're going to be out of business at some point soon. So I think digital is too broad a term. But data, I think that the split to make is data and smart data or analyzed data. Yes, that, that, that resonates with me. I buy that, John. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, just thinking about what you're saying, where's about uh, companies aren't in digital. I mean, you know, the Edcon, sad Edcon cases is well known and well publicized. And I mean, I was reading and, and, I don't, you know, sometimes people are misquoted and sometimes it's done purposely to sell, I want to say newspapers, but, but clicks on, on, on a page these days. Grant Patterson at that stage was quoted after the fallout and, and the Ed kind of saying, you know, we've realized we're actually not good at selling online. <laughs> now, you know, I looked at that statement and I said, geez, I hope, I hope he was misquoted because I can't believe that a CEO of that type of group would make that kind of comment. I mean, it's it's obvious you guys weren't good at online. I mean, I can tell you just by going on and trying to buy something. You know what I mean? And I mean, a few months ago, before the, the whole travel ban, I was in New York uh, walking around pre-COVID. I mean, we didn't know the word. Uh, and, and I was walking with my wife on all the avenues, 5th and Lexington and 7th and like whatever. You know what I mean? And you go through these blocks of real estate, but a whole block of Macy's. Then opposite is Bloomingdale's. And then it's Saks Fifth Avenue. Uh, and Nordstrom. I mean, these are great old school retailers. And whereas you know, I like the Nordstrom philosophy and customer centricity and all those things. And there's a great place for it. But I, you know, and the, and the US is far advanced in terms of, of online and, and, and all its derivatives. And I said to my wife, you know, going up eight floors of escalators to a row of, of, of men's suits and then it's swimming costumes and, and I said to him, but I don't know how this model works how can these guys afford the real estate in New York City now the interesting thing would be post-COVID as we're getting out of this thing hopefully I'd be very curious to see their comments around around accelerating that stuff and whether you still need it you know it's, it's a great place to go but it's almost a, it's almost like a museum these days You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. 
Yeah, very much so. And and I mean, one company in the states that I'll give credit, and um, I mean, there's a few in South Africa as well. But I mean, Walmart, for example, they they've seen the challenge of Amazon, and they're reacting and quite proactively. So this term digital, it's in everything they do. Um, re- recently, TikTok is the big buzzword, and and Oracle and Walmart have become two of the companies buying stock in TikTok. And you think, why would a very traditional retailer want stock in a for all intents and purposes, a kid's platform. But they've looked at it and they thought the future of commerce is social commerce. Mm-hmm. So if we own, if we have equity in this incredible platform where the future generation of Americans is sitting, imagine what we can do connecting social media to our traditional stores. And I mean, who knows where that goes? It's, it's exciting, but it could go anywhere, whether it's selling on TikTok or whether it's just bringing those two verticals together. So that's an incredible opportunity. I mean, even guys like Checkers, for example, some of the stuff they're doing in South Africa is very forward thinking. So the, 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 a lot of guys are doing a really good job at it. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm a Walmart man. It's the only time I ever go to a store anywhere in the world where I can go to the small skinny guy section. You know, <laughs> it works perfectly for me. But, you know, coming back to, um, you know, doing digital rather than being in this whole, uh, what's the word you use, smart digital? I think Analyzed data. Analyzed yeah. data, whatever. So for me, the, the penny drop, and I read Seth Godin, and I'm talking a good couple of years back, t- talking about the meatball Sunday. So a Sunday, not the day of the week, but the ice cream. So when you have a Sunday and it tastes like rubbish, you know, have a look at it because all that's happened is that the first half of your ice cream Sunday is meatballs and somebody's lobbed a bit of ice cream on top. That he was talking about integration. You can't do digital anymore. It's just silly. You either integrate it into every aspect of your business, distribution, invoice, the whole remarketing thing. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think about it as something you do as opposed to something you are. Yeah, and, and I, th- I think one of the best recent examples is Toys R Us in the States, which obviously went bankrupt. And there's a few reasons for it. I mean, to use this broad term digital, they very much, much miss digital altogether. Then they said, let's, let's panic and just throw every, all of our inventory onto Amazon. So they gave away that whole part of their journey. And, and I mean, the key to Toys R Us is their brand. So when you join Amazon, you, you give away a lot of your brand. And the final death, death now was actually Walmart because at Walmart in the end said, well, let's just bring customers in, st- in store. We will we'll basically give away, give away toys at break even or, cost, uh, or loss leaders just to, to keep the moms happy and shopping. And the guys looking at skinny clothes, and that was the the death knell for them. So digital wasn't wasn't the the, the full uh, issue, but it, it was a major major part. And and in the end, they just panicked and got it completely wrong. So let's come back to the remarketing thing. I mean, th- there's been a sort of a growing meme of uh, webinars around the issue of what they're calling the post cookie landscape. So with Poppy Act and all that kind of personal data uh, protection, what's the next phase? I mean, how? If cookies are eliminated and or I'm so incentivized not to actually have one, how do you go about the remarketing thing in the future? So it does obviously make life a lot more difficult, particularly um, the the third-party cookies. Um, um, From the perspective of Facebook, it won't affect Facebook as much. I mean, they've got so much data on customers. I use Facebook as in a term for all of of the Mm. big social media giants. So all of the big social media giants have so much data on customers that they will continue to target them. So... If you work in as a marketer, you work in with Facebook, Twitter, pick your platform, you, you will still be able to target your customers. They've got that third-party da- data with or without. Obviously, as, as Poppy and, and GDPR comes in, they will squeeze a lot of, that, uh, a lot of the, those easy flows of, of customer data, but they will still have that data to do extreme targeting. Um, but 
I think who will get hit is is, is almost the third parties, uh, the the third party sellers. They they will get squeezed by it, which is which is a bit a bit sad when Apple, for example, start. Uh, clamping down it's not so much facebook who will get harmed it's, it's actually more the smallest the smaller sellers who resell their inventory um but yeah i mean e- even even on facebook themselves it's it, to show you how much data often people come and they've got this incorrect assumption i don't know if you've heard about it about my phone is listening to me or facebook or listening to me on my phone and i mean there's a few reasons why i mean i could be wrong but i would be willing to put money down that that's not the case i mean the first is congress in america would clamp down like you've never seen if that was the fact um, it would be very illegal. Secondly, the, the, the processing power to do that would just be crazy. But third and most importantly, Facebook and Co. don't actually need to listen to your phone. They have got so much data on your, on your actions. I mean, if anyone's watched The Social Dilemma, um, you, you would know. And if you haven't, it's probably something worth having a watch. But these, these platforms have so much data. They know what you're going to do. They know why you're not going to pick up that, that, that pair of Reebok and you are going to pick up that pair of Nike because they've mm-hmm. seen triggers. So... Even if you bring down to your point, even if you bring down that data, uh, data through cookies and so forth, they, they they've still formed so much data from actions. When you click the like button yes. for this, or when you hover longer over this photo, they realize it's it's more relative. So that long story short, there's so many trigger points in social media and digital platforms. They don't actually, in in effect, they don't really need the guys that will struggle will be traditionalists who who have a traditional website that only has cookies as its as its as, 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 mm. its input. Yeah. So when it comes to you know the sort of analogy of you know rewarding the dog with a with a bone every time he rolls over, I mean we are making ourselves and and we're talking about that that Netflix documentary which you raised, um, the social dilemma. To what degree am I just you're creating a scenario where my bad behaviour is rewarded by even worse behavior and and during COVID, for instance um, and and a good example let's be current a week or two back we had the whole cynical thing so i mean i go for a walk every day and it's my kind of quiet time and i get my head sorted out and i went for a walk the other day but i made the mistake of watching the cynical thing um so i went for a walk and i was angry doug i was angry with the dogs that were barking i was angry with the litter i was angry with the the potholes and instead of coming back relaxed and chilled after two hours on the road i came back like angry So to what degree do we open ourselves up for this? I mean, if I'm following groups that are negative, the, the, the algorithms are going to keep reinforcing this unhappy state of affairs. I mean, am I, am I making myself my own victim? Yeah, absolutely. And it's this whole confirmation bias as well. So you, 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 will, you will look at something that confirms what you believe. So you, you get stuck into this loop. And before you know it, you're only following people that have – the extreme views of, that you follow, and you you yourself have gone from someone who's who's perhaps perhaps sitting on the border to more to more extreme in either direction, and it's and it's the other problem about social media it, it looks for engagement. These platforms are built to to amplify engagement, so that's often why fake news spreads because fake news is sense it's it's sensationalized, and you think that will spread like wildfire because it's in, it's engaging, it's getting people's attention. So these algorithms which um, which are built to get engagement, to keep your eyeballs on that platform. Everything that happens, it's to keep your eyeballs on a digital platform. I mean, to, to digress slightly, uh, the Netflix CEO, Reed, Reed Hastings, recently said that that other other media media platforms aren't his competition. Sleep is his competition. And you think it's funny, but it's actually true. And all these wow. social media platforms and Netflix, they're, literally, they tr- they're trying to edge, say, half an hour, an hour out of your sleep pattern to keep your eyeballs on that platform, to keep their business model ticking. 
and what makes that that platform tick it's it's extreme cynical for example on both sides whichever whether you're on the left or the right the extreme sides are, are, are what got people clicking on platforms and, and the algorithms were punting those to people like yourself who's, who isn't actually really even interested in extremities. You just want to go for a, a nice walk, but you've been pulled into this 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 sort of engagement circle or bubble. Yeah, yeah. 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 And I think, I mean, just yeah, absolutely, Wes. And, I, you know, and again, one's got to be cautious and careful of those things. And it's not just... Uh, for adults, but certainly kids, you know, I look at a lot of the behavior around uh, around kids and, and online bullying. And I think, uh, Gordon, maybe I, I can't remember whether, whether we did chat a little bit about that in the past. I mean, Emma Sadler has done a lot of work as a, as a social media lawyer around, um, you know, being careful uh, and being cognizant of what you're posting out there and, and getting your privacy settings and all the rest of it right. And I just feel, you know, that I don't know if I've missed it, but I don't think companies, in my view, are doing enough. You know, I want to see more of those old school don't drink and drive billboards of, of breweries and Heineken of, of, uh, and that I still see that on the, on the booze sector. But I don't see enough. And I, when I say billboards, I don't literally mean a physical billboard, but it's an online thing or whatever. Um, it's a question of saying, be careful, you know, take, uh, take extra care. Um, these are the pitfalls, etc. Wes, I don't know if you want to add something on, on that. Doug, I think that's such, such a great point. I mean, it's a big, big worry of mine, um, even with young kids in my family and so forth. It's, 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 if, if we as adults can't, can't, can't control this, this how do, what chance do kids have? For example, I mean, they get pulled into this, the, the psychology that's used to build, to build social media platforms is the same psychology used on slot machines. It's that whole what comes next. That hey, look at Mrs. Smith. She's about to leave the casino. Let's hit her with what, what two and a half cherries, and we know we'll keep her for an extra hour. So let's pop up a notification or a photo of, and, and the social dilemma actually goes into this, I would do it much, much better justice than myself, but it's the exact same psychology. So you think, what chance does a kid have who's in effect getting, getting addicted to this? The, um, the, other, the other side of it is bullying. Um, you think when we were young, you'd get bullied, but at one, two o'clock, you'd, you'd, you'd hop on your bicycle, you'd cycle home, and that's the end of bullying until nine the next morning, and you've, you, you've, you've had a pep talk, and you're good to go the next day. Now bullying carries on. They've got you in WhatsApp groups, TikTok groups, a lot of groups that parents don't understand, platforms on the phone that parents don't understand, and 24-7, and it's, it's actually becoming a pandemic of itself that cyberbullying is a massive, massive issue, and as well as, I mean, the issues you mentioned that, I mean, kids are basically getting... Uh, addicted to digital platforms and you think you do need companies to say listen we we make money from digital we want you on our digital platform on our smartphone but hey um you need to limit your time and i guess on a global scale apple have done some good work there but from a south african scale i mean maybe that's a big opportunity yeah Yeah. Yeah, look and i think you know not to say that uh that kind of depressed mindset doesn't happen in traditional media it does um we've seen again recently 702 uh, repositioning the station and and if you look at you know their their kind of releases what they what they had came to the realization was that people want the news nobody wants their heads buried in the ground but they want at least some kind of positive uplift you know from from the whole thing and so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out for seven or two but i think there's an inherent realization that you can't live on you know on the dark side of the street 
all the time. You've got to have a bit of light uh, occasionally. Wesley, quick question before I lob it back to the doc. Yeah. Um, you, you operate as a, as a consultant. I mean, I've done that for 20 years as well. So I know how hard it can be talking about the dark side of the street. How do folks get hold of you if, if, if they want to uh, pick up the discussion with you directly? Yeah, so probably um, my email, wesley at mothinnovate.com, or otherwise I'm very active on Twitter. So Wes Hillier, um, or at Wes Hillier, um, you can go and read my, my ramblings and, and views there on a, on a daily basis. I'll try and keep them positive. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Speaking of positive though, Wes, I mean, you were telling me a while ago you, you met with an AI company in Paris who's doing some innovative stuff around vineyards and stuff. And then let's just chat, once you've spoken about that, a little bit about IBM Watson and, and telemedicine. And, and so some of the positive stuff that's coming out of, uh, out of the space. Yeah, so two re- really, really game-changing uh, scenarios that I saw. Um, one is, is an, an AI company that works with the vineyards, uh, yeah, as you said, in, in uh, all over Europe. They literally send drones over over, over these these vineyards, and, and it scans the soil, and it and it picks up it picks up the, the the contents of the soil and what needs to be added, as well as the water content. And thereafter, the machinery, which is also ro- robotic, uh, robotics driven by the AI, it's informed by the data, comes over. It, it adds nutrients. I'm probably not doing justice to to the, the agriculture industry, so sorry to anyone who's in agriculture. But it adds nutrients, adds water. There's no far less water wastage, um, and the plants grow. The grapes grow, and apparently your wines better. So incredible stuff like that. On the IBM Watson, it's an incredible um, platform. Uh, um, that's doing a lot of work across a lot of verticals. So one of them is is healthcare, and what IBM have done is that they've got this healthcare platform. They've ingested enough data. They said it would take 1.8 million years for a doctor to learn all of this, uh, to, to ingest all the data that IBM Watson has, and it can diagnose cancer patients. So literally, a cancer patient will come in. They will take, they will do the tests, the blood tests, so forth. They will cross reference it against this data. IBM Watson within 10 minutes the if you want to call it the AI will come out with its results and say this is the treatment, this is the doses, and this is how this patient needs to be be, be treated. Ultimately, in the long term, they said their their their, their big view is to, to is to actually do the tests via cell phone in say remote Africa. So scan X, Y, and Z into these details. They will diagnose it remotely, uh, do the diagnosis remotely, and send out a drone with medication to rurals rural africa and you think like that's those are some extreme examples but it's that's that's the upside there's so much good that can come out of digital i think it's we just need to keep it on a bit of a tightrope at times and, and and understand it stay informed i think that's the big thing yeah and, yeah. and i think just i mean while we're chatting uh you made the, i mean we chatted just now about walmart and, and edcon locally and retail i mean you were also telling me about uh, you know it's uh, aerial photographs of of motor cars car parks etc and the predictive analytics that come out of that in terms of, of earnings and, and whether you're going to make it or miss it. Yeah, so that's a big trend in, in the States. So for um, s- the satellites actually are, are scanning uh, retail car parks. So for example, if you, want, if you want to know whether to buy or sell Walmart stock, you, you will get hold of this, this, this analytics company. Their satellites have been taking pictures daily for the last quarter. They, they will scan that quarter, cross-reference it against, say, last year's quarter and tell you whether there were more or less cars in the car park of say that whatever the 20 the 20 busiest walmarts and they will tell uh, they'll be able to tell you whether their earnings will be up or down so this is actually massive with hedge funds hedge funds will buy this data and this it's i've heard people actually call it they call it legal uh, insider trading because it's legal but i mean for all intents and purposes it's it's a fine line so, so these hedge funds will know that hey walmart had less cars in 2020 um let's sell or short the stock uh, so i mean that's yeah 
It's quite extraordinary, really. But just coming back to you know the issue of Watson, I, I would like to challenge Watson to decipher in less than 1.8 million years the 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 pattern and remarkable recovery of Donald Trump after you know COVID virus in 24 or 48 <laughs> hours. I I don't think Watson can figure that one out. Um, yeah, the drone thing for me is fascinating. Although it it seems we haven't really taken off on drone deliveries yet. I mean, I also had this kind of vision of drone deliveries of alcohol during COVID. I mean, you could just sit at home and call for the drone when you were a bit down on the uh, uh, on the medicinal wine. But uh, yeah, Doc, I'm going to leave it to you. Wesley. That was really interesting. Thank you so much for the time. And, and it's great to see, you know, with respect, and I say this, propeller heads like yourself have kind of, in my mind, isolated themselves from the reality of marketing. It's, it's, it's encouraging to see that young digital um, you know, insights generators are, are bringing it back into the space, Doug, that yeah. we need it to be, which is marketing and, in my case, media. So really interesting. I enjoyed the practical applications and insights from that. So thanks for coming. Much appreciated. Thanks, Gordon. Thanks, Doug. Yeah, I think, Gordon, that's exactly right. You know, it's, it's like anything in life, you know. It's a lot of um, a lot of consultants, and I mean, you and I are doing it, and, and where's, and, and sometimes, you know, you've got to check yourself. You know, sometimes consultants know a hundred ways to do something, but have never actually done it themselves. You know, they can tell someone else what they're doing wrong, but, you know, you, the challenge is, well, why don't you just do it, seeing that you're so clever? And I think I always look at myself, and I say, you know, can you do it? And I think that's great, whereas, you know, that's not just the theory and, and the bump, and we can all read up and sound, you know, clever and have a few words that we can throw around at dinner party, but it's the actual application and again you know as the flip side of that uh, Gordon is to marketers who perhaps are I want to say lazy or traditional who don't work through the data you know I've also sat through teams through the years and, and, and I've made the point uh, quite a few times now hopefully the next generation is not like that that they actually take the good out of the data you have to be disciplined to work through the stuff, whether it's, you know, it's called a business scientist or whatever the term is. You know, you go through the data that you can actually get an end result. And the end result is some sort of sale, market share, growth, change of behavior, change of media, something. It's not for itself, you know, not in itself. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and attribution modeling, which is, you know, I think where the, the discussion has got to now, the debate about whether you should or you shouldn't have uh, a mix of traditional and, and, and digital media is long over. Mm. It really is the, the finessing of, of the ratios that it's all about now because the discussion you know, around whether they should or shouldn't be silos for me is, is long gone. Great, good. good. Uh, Wes, uh, thanks very much for your time. And again, you know, as as we've always say on the show, get involved. You know, Wes has given you his email, he's given you his social handles. Get involved, be part of the discussion, chat with Wes, uh, find out. I mean, he's a you're not not just a bright guy, but a bright guy who's got good applications and use for all of his knowledge. So again, Wes, thanks very much for your time. Thanks very much, gents. Cheers. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get hold of us on Facebook, like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Miller, the Guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, 
voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.